You're listening to the Fired Up Podcast Network. Let's get fired up. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. This is episode two of the Fired Up Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Soden. Uh, We got a lot to get into this week. Uh, AEW and WWE both had some jam-packed shows, uh, and we had a lot of stuff outside of the ring going on. But first and foremost, I want to make sure everyone is following the Fired Up Podcast Network on Twitter, at Fired Up Podcast. And of course, you can always throw your boy a like, at Daniel Soden. Uh, And now let's get into uh, some outside of the ring stuff. So this week we saw Triple H uh, join Joel Embiid for the 76ers playoff game. Uh, He helped introduce the team. Uh, Unfortunately, the 76ers got their asses handed to him for most of the game. But at least the t-shirts that came out of it were pretty cool. Uh, We had Zack Ryder debut for GCW. Kind of came in in a mask, looked like he was Jon Moxley, attacked Nick Cage, took off the mask. Gave the crowd the middle finger and left. I'm not sure where this is completely headed. Uh, it did look pretty cool. I wish everyone stopped doing the middle finger gimmick because it's not edgy anymore. This is in 1998 and everyone's not Stone Cold Steve Austin. But hey, here we are. Uh, Camille won the NWA women's title over the weekend. Along with that, Mickey James uh, kind of debuted for NWA and announced that there's going to be a all-women's NWA pay-per-view coming up uh, on the heels of that. It seems that Kylie Ray has left officially left Impact and will be going to the NWA. When she's going to debut, I'm not exactly sure. I would imagine she would be on that all-women's pay-per-view card. Speaking of debuts, there were two for in-person debuts for AEW, and we'll get to those right when we return. We are back. Uh, let's take a little dive into AEW's Friday Dynamite. Um, well, we saw two debuts. Uh, first off, we saw Mark Henry um, debut in person. Uh, he got on the mic, did a little bit of talking, but then was rudely interrupted by Vicky Guerrero. Uh, still doing the excuse me gimmick all these years later. Because as AEW has beaten us over the head with... WWE Creative sucks, so we're going to keep using WWE Creative for low-level characters, of course. Anyway, um, Vicky introduced her new client, um, Andrade, to almost no fanfare. Uh, The crowd um, reacted terribly to him. It was a very flat debut for someone that's supposedly the hottest free agent on the market. Um, I'm hoping they ditch Vicky quickly. I'm also hoping that Andrade bounces back like Miro has uh, since his terrible debut. Uh, If there's one thing AW is going to do, it's going to be a terrible debut. Outside of Sting, I think all of them have fallen flat. Uh, I can't say that any of them have brought the wrestler any sort of extra oomph to their character. Uh, Outside of that, uh, we move to... uh, Penta and Pac versus the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks have to be the most swaggerless group, group duo, tag team, 
whatever in all of pro wrestling from the dye jobs the outfits the fake sneakers everything about them just and i feel like sometimes they're trying to be in on the joke and then sometimes with like the hair dyeing they aren't in on the joke um anyway uh eddie kingston kind of uh came out made the save they announced john moxley is going to be out due to all the super kicks that he received during their match at the pay-per-view uh, this eventually led to a promo backstage with Kingston, Penta, and Pac about how Penta and Pac don't need Kingston's help. Uh, and led us to Kingston, Pac, and Penta versus the Bucks and Brandon Cutler next week. That should be a real barn burner. Um, then we entered Codyverse, as I like to call it. Uh, it seems that Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson were going to face QT Marshall and Anthony Agogo. Uh, JR. Good old Jim Ross here is incredibly grumpy. I'm not sure what it is with him, but we get these little outbursts every so often. I think this one was because he didn't pronounce Andrade's new name correctly, and Excalibur corrected him several times over. Um, QT uh, got the pin here after a go-go KO'd uh, Cody. Uh, something that probably should have happened at the pay-per-view, but nonetheless. Later on in the night in the Codyverse, we saw Goldust versus Nick Carmarato in a bull row match. I understand that these late-night shows are going to have less than stellar main events. This one felt like a dark match. It came off like a dark match. I think I fell asleep during some of it. It's not worth going back and checking out, much like the rest of the show. Uh, we were greeted with an inner circle celebration eventually, where it seems now everyone is going to face off in singles and tag team matches after two back-to-back kind of storyline enders with the stadium stampede and the blood and guts match. Uh, anyway, uh, we are eventually going to see Wardlow versus Jack H- Jake Hager in a cage fight. That should be great. Insert sarcasm there. Uh, and then it seems like FTR and Santana and Ortiz are going to face off, which I'm excited for that. Uh, we also might get Sammy versus MJF or Sammy versus Spears. Both should be decent matches. And it seems like it's all kind of heading towards Chris Jericho putting up his career versus MJF. Um, it's been long kind of rumored that Chris is going to end his wrestling career full-time at least when his AEW contract ends. So I could see this aligning with that. And yeah, that's pretty much all uh, all there was in that inner circle celebration that seemed to go on forever. Uh, we get a best friends promo during the show, kind of keeping the Orange Cassidy and Kenny Omega feud alive. Uh, it then kind of cuts to uh, Kenny Omega and Don Callis building up the Jungle Boy uh, match that's coming up. And that leads into Jungle Boy and Christian versus Private Party. <sighs> Jungle Boy gets the win against Private Party, who have not been defeated at all in 2021. The announcers make sure we know that several times over. Jungle Boy looks great. Christian looks great. Private Party looks like they've lost everything that mattered to them. They're now dressed as if they are working at a country club. The announcers tried to tell us that they had a look of going out to the club. 
in khakis and white polos or button-ups. Um, this also leads to Christian and Matt down the road. Matt Hardy attacks Christian after the match. And I don't understand why Christian went to AEW. I would much rather see Christian versus Big E right now than Christian versus Matt Hardy 10 years too late. Uh, we go to a Team Taz promo. Uh, kind of seems like it's laying the seeds for maybe like a hook cage physical altercation. Hook stared at cage the entire time. Um, they did set up a match. Um, Hangman Adam Page versus a partner of his choosing. Uh, to go against Hobbs and Brian Cage. Hangman Page chose 10 at some point. They announced it later on in the show. Uh, Speaking of setting up tag team matches, we got Sting and Darby uh, in the ring going over their match against Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page come on the, the Tron, talking a lot of smack, saying that Darby is nothing without Sting. So they challenged Darby to a, a tag team match with a partner of his choosing. Can't be Sting. I think this is where we see John Silver make his comeback uh, after injury. It kind of seems right. Outside of that, I'm not sure who Darby would pick to fit in. Maybe Surfer Sting? I'm not sure. Uh, we have Britt Baker's championship celebration. She has Big Macs. Because who doesn't love a good Big Mac? Uh, The celebration is squandered by Nyla Rose, who throws the Big Macs everywhere and throws a fit and leaves. I'm assuming this builds up to Britt Baker versus Nyla Rose for the title at some point. I don't care for that match. Um, We have Dark Order and Miro back-to-back promo setting up Evil Uno versus Miro for the TV title, which should be a decent one. Uh, Miro actually posted a promo today on his Twitter that was actually really good and worth checking out. We also had Red Velvet versus Allie on the show. I'm not sure why they went with Red Velvet since Big Swole was the one that Allie attacked, but nonetheless, it was a pretty good uh, television match. Uh, Good win for um, Red Velvet. And that's it for AEW's Dynamite. Uh, It was a less than stellar show. Nothing to really go back and watch. Uh, Maybe Jungle Boy and Christian vs. Private Party. Everything else was pretty flat. And when we come back, we will talk about SmackDown, Raw, and NXT. And we are back. Um... We're going to talk SmackDown first, Raw, then NXT. Uh, so SmackDown was kind of layered by two different storylines this week. We had the Roman Reigns Uso uh, versus the Mysterios storyline, and then we had the Street Profits versus uh, Gable and Otis. I'll start with the Street Profits versus Otis and Gable, and then we can get into the whole Uso's Mysterio bag. So the Street Profits kind of dissed Chad Gable when he was giving them advice, and that pissed off Otis. Otis attacked the Street Profits. I'm assuming this is setting up for a match this coming Friday. They didn't really say. Chad Gable, when he said, can I get the smoke, felt like the carbon copy of Kurt Angle, that back when they did that whole Kurt Angle father storyline and went with Jason Jordan, it really had me going again. Why didn't they go Chad Gable? Also, 
why isn't Chad Gable being propped up as like the savior of like something like 205 Live? The guy has everything. He can talk. He can work. The internet loves him. The fans, regular fans, love him. I just don't see what they're not what they're not seeing in him that would get that kind of you know buzz off of him. Also, the street profits are clearly in a setting now where it's we need these guys on TV because they're one of our most entertaining acts, but we also don't have much for them. So what are we going to do with them? There's I believe four segments total with them, and. They killed everything. Um, I saw a lot of people talking about, let's turn the Street Profits heels. I think let's wait on that. Maybe around SummerSlam we can turn them heel uh, if they have nothing going. But for now, I like keeping them faces. Um, Now let's move into the Roman Reigns, Usos, Mysterios. So they started off the show, Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman. Great promo. Great lead into the match. The match was great. I think the first match was better than the second match, in my opinion. But then we see, oh, we saw that great Samoan drop as Mysterio sliding out leads into a Samoan drop onto the table. That was one of the best counters I've seen in a minute, and it wasn't anything crazy or overcomplicated. Uh, I thought after the first screwy finish, we were going to see a second screwy finish leading into Usos, Mysterios, Hell in the Cell for the tag team titles. We did see a second screwy finish after Roman felt that the Usos weren't getting the job done. Also, throughout the show, we got great promos from Roman and the Usos. Uh, a couple backstage backstage segments with the Mysterios. Nothing crazy. Roman really beat the brakes off Dominic Mysterio in the uh, aftermath of the second tag team title match. Um, I thought, not like this, um, Jimmy just keeps saying, not like this, not like this. Really kind of adds another layer into the whole Roman Uso storyline. Um, Roman calling Jay Jimmy was great. Um, I, I Everything that they're doing right now with the Romans and the Usos is just, has been great television. And I'm not sure where after Mysterio they go with Roman, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, and then we got another promo, uh, this time a Backstage segment, a sit-down interview with Kayla and Seth. Another nothing promo. They really need Cesaro to, to come back. Um, I'm assuming Seth Rollins' Cesaro is set for Hell in a Cell. They haven't announced it yet. It's probably one of the only matches I think that should get the cell. I know normally they do like two or three. Right now, their only setup is one match. Um, but I would like to see Cesaro and Seth Rollins in the cell. Um Outside of that, I mean, Seth's just kind of been putzing around the last two weeks. So I hope that Cesaro isn't like a long-term show thing and he will be back in time for Hell in the Cell. Another strong point of the night was Bianca Belair's promo. I like the way that they let her kind of dig into her insecurities and kind of building on what Bailey, the mind games Bailey is playing with her. I thought the way that they led into Bailey... Um, kind of doing a little villain, Joker, Riddler kind of thing was great. The way it played on all the TVs was a great use of the Thunderdome while they still have it. I think this feud has been one of the better feuds WWE has produced in a while where they're not making the baby face and Bianca look stupid, dumb. They're letting her kind of be like, I'm a real person. I have these real issues. And having Bailey attack those real issues, it's it's a nice kind of like twist on how 
WWE creative kind of gets a bad rap. So it's a nice little twist on them actually doing something a little bit more insightful. Um, outside of that, um, we had Apollo Crews and KO had a great match. Um, Dabo attacked uh, KO pre-match. KO sold everything really, really well. The match was a really good TV match. Uh, Apollo picked up the win. Afterwards, Sammy attacks KO, I guess leading to another Sammy KO match. Maybe a three-way for the title. Um, outside of that, nothing really stood out from SmackDown. Um, we saw Nakamura and uh, Electric Elias versus Corbin. Um, Nakamura got the crown back after Corbin won. Um, Carmelo versus Liv Morgan was a really good TV match. Both competitors looked good. Uh, afterwards, Carmelo was announced the winner. Then she had the announcer say the most beautiful in WWE, Carmelo won. Um, kind of interested to see where that's going. They've been starting to slowly build Carmella back up. Um, but yeah, that's that's it. It was a Roman Reigns, Usos, and Mysterios driven SmackDown. And I felt like the show nailed it. Um, unlike Raw, um, which we can get into now. Raw opened up with a tag team battle royal, but not before AJ Styles and Almost came out and broke down each tag team. AJ saying no cap and seeing the laughter between the New Day was worth it. Uh, we got Miz and Morrison kind of interrupting AJ and Amos. Uh, Miz and Morrison, once again, are the funniest duo in WWE history, maybe. The dripsticks, uh, the dripstick spot that they had was hysterical. I thought that Morrison kind of filling in for Graham uh, Malik because he's injured was nice. Um, also sold the Miz injury as well. Miz coming down the ramp during Morrison's slow mo was incredible. I ugly laughed at that. Um, outside of all the comical stuff, they made T Bar and Mace uh, and the war. Um, the Viking Raiders look incredible. They're strong. I'm looking forward to that match down the ro- road. I thought the War Raiders, the War Raiders, Viking Raiders, uh, taking the win was the correct move, um, especially because it seems like RK Bro and the New Day are going to be feuding for a little bit longer. Um, and then we had a lot, a lot of filler in Raw, a lot of things that just didn't work. Um, I'll talk about the rest of the good later, but for now, let's just get all this out the way. Uh, I don't know what they're doing with Riker. He's not a babyface. The world hates him. That haircut was terrible. I don't get why they had Elias get counted out. The match was garbage. Um, The Charlotte Rhea Ripley stuff was terrible. They don't have chemistry either, really. Rhea Ripley starting to really kind of um, digress. Uh, I thought that having Nikki Cross and Oscar as a tag team was a lot of fun, but even that didn't really save that match. That match was terrible. The back and forth, can they coexist? They're not even going to try to coexist. Storyline was just not something I wanted to really pay attention to. I skimmed through most of it. Um, Jeff Hardy being magically the grizzled vet that doesn't take newcomers well was 
terrible. Him versus Cedric Alexander was an okay match. I thought Cedric should have got the win after mimicking Jeff, but instead they had Jeff get the win. Um, the Shayna Baszler Alexa Bliss playground segment was edited terribly. Um, I thought Shayna Baszler did the best of what she could do with it. It felt like um, high schoolers reenacting Nightmare on Elm Street. I just, uh, it was hard to get through. Um, I think that's it for the terrible stuff. Oh, Eva, um, Evolution comes next week. That should be boring. Uh, now for the good stuff. We did have, well, semi-good stuff, contract signing. I am very tired of contract signings in pro wrestling. I know they will be a forever thing, um, but there's just no way to make them really new. There's no way to really make them fun. Except maybe a good promo. Drew McIntyre cut a very long-winded promo and then went complete babyface with it. I liked it. I didn't like it. At the end, when Bobby finally came out and Drew let off a great finish to the promo and then wailed that sword and broke the table, I was sold. I, I'm i happy that this match is going to be in a Hell in a Cell. I'm happy that the stipulation added to this match is that Drew McIntyre cannot fight for the title as long as Bobby's champion because Drew McIntyre needs to kind of go back into the the mid-card a little bit, kind of heat back up, and then I'm assuming when we have that draft come the end of August, Drew gets moved to SmackDown and he can finish his whole thing with Roman Reigns. As for Bobby, it looks like the next move is going to be Kofi. Uh, They had a segment backstage with MVP and Kofi that was great. And it just seems like that is the general direction that they're going to take it in once Bobby and Drew finish and Kofi and uh, RK-Bro finish. Uh, Another thing that I really liked was the Gulak-Mansoor match. It was a short match. It had a lead-in segment with uh, Mustafa Ali and Mansoor kind of going back and forth. Mansoor kind of took Ali's advice a little bit to get the win, so I'm hoping that that starts like a budding manager-mentor thing. Um, I thought the Ricochet and Humberto match was uh, really good. Probably the best match on Raw outside. Riddle Kofi was probably the best match on Raw, but Humberto and Ricochet was really good. The Spanish fly to the outside, and then the count the count out, I'm assuming, is going to lead to a three-way uh, U.S. title match at the pay-per-view if Sheamus is good to go because he does have a broken nose. As I mentioned before, uh, Kofi and Riddle had a match that was kind of uh, a lead-in from the Battle Royal earlier. Uh, they're really pushing the RK Bro stuff, and it's really hitting. Uh, they picked a good team with the New Day to kind of get them over. Uh, the New Day is starting to feel a little bit stale, and I'm not sure what it is um, that's not there right now. I don't know if all three guys have to be together or whatnot, but I think when the draft does come about, uh, come back around, maybe throw all three guys back together again and see where we can go with that. But outside of all that, that was that was raw. Like every other raw, it's not great. It has its moments, but overall, it's it just hasn't been a great product during the pandemic era of raw. Actually, it hasn't been a great product for that much for even longer. But 
but light really got shown through the holes during this whole pandemic era. And now uh, we move on to NXT, the final show of the week for us. The show started off with Austin Theory versus Oni Larkin. Austin Theory representing Johnny Gargano and Oni Larkin representing Pete Dunne in kind of the five-way match that's going to happen at In Your House. Each guy thinks the other guy's going to uh, partner's going to win. It was a really, really fun opener. I thought that Theory's springboard seated Spanish fly was incredible. Um, not to be outdone by um, Ricochet and uh, Humberto on Raw, but this was probably the better Spanish fly. Uh, I also really hope that we don't start seeing the Spanish fly get bastardized like we did the Canadian Destroyer. Um, and then from there, uh, we kind of moved into LA Knight. Um, with his little Four Horsemen fan fiction promo, uh, we would eventually see the Cameron Grimes 80s parody version of that, uh, both leading into the Cameron Grimes LA Knight Million Dollar Man segment, where we, it was announced for In Your House, LA Knight would f- face off against Cameron Grimes for the Million Dollar Championship in a ladder match. Um, can't say that I'm thrilled with them bringing back the Million Dollar title, or the Million Dollar Man, or another ladder match, but Cameron Grimes gave us what I think is the best promo of his NXT career, at least. I'm not sure about his promos outside of WWE, but this, hands down, made me a fan. I've been very critical of Cameron Grimes outside of uh, this, this little feud, but he just never did it for me. But I'm glad that he finally started following up finding his footing in this 80s over-the-top wrestling character. My question still is, what happened with Jake Atlas and all this? Pinned both guys, nothing for him. Not even featured on this week's show. So we also had uh, Bronson and uh, MSK kind of do a little promo battle with Legato del Fantisma. Uh, All this led to them saying that all... Uh, Two titles will be on the line, the tag team and North American title, and in your house in a three-on-three match. That match should be uh, pretty good. Uh, We had Swerve and Hit Row come out and kind of face off with everybody, kind of leading to maybe something down the line. Swerve uh, wrestled Killian Dane. Uh, Swerve picked up the win in kind of a forgettable match. Uh, What else did we have? Zaya Lee attacked uh, Mercedes uh, pre-match. Mercedes still... After she got her ass beat, went back in and beat the jobber. Not much there. Just building up Mercedes to be a uh, a force to reckon with. Uh, Grizzled Young Vets wrestled uh, August Gray and Euro. Um, it was a fine match. Uh, it led to uh, Ciampa and Thatcher coming out. A little back and forth. They announced next week on NXT it would be a tornado tag match between all four men. That match should be pretty good. Uh, we had the return of Poppy, who had a backstage segment with Triple H and William Regal. She dropped a new album uh, right then and there. Um, that led to Dexter Loomis coming in with a picture of her. They hugged. Indy walked in, saw them hugging, left in a fit of rage. That should be good leading going forward. Uh, Candice then went to the ring and... Basically, I said that Poppy was taking up too much of her time uh, on air. And then Poppy came out and said she doesn't wrestle, but she has a friend who did. And the return of um, EO. EO beat the brakes off Candice. 
and didn't lead to much else. Uh, we also saw Amber Moon versus Dakota Kai and ended in a DQ. Once again, just kind of leading to Raquel and Ember's match at In Your House. Um, Ember's somersault stunner here should be her finisher. I thought it looked nicer, cleaner, and less of a risk with it. Uh, to end the show, we watched the burial of Karrion Cross by Adam Cole once again. Uh, I really, Karrion Cross is just not hitting, nothing's working. It speaks volumes that they're pushing this guy as the baby face and all the heels get better reactions. Uh, if I had to guess, they might move Karrion Cross to the main show following In Your House or the next takeover. I just don't see him being being the guy for very long in NXT. Uh, with that said, we come to another week in pro wrestling wrapped up. Uh, don't forget to uh, like, review, all that fine stuff on Apple and Spotify. Uh, share with your friends on Instagram, Twitter. You can always follow me at Daniel Soden and the Fired Up Podcast Network at Fired Up Podcast. Uh, see you guys back next week.